Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. What's up, what's up? How is everyone? If you love Jesus, say I do. If you're single, say I am. All right, let's do it. Nothing sexier than a... Than a Christian. All right, you're getting there. Getting there. Hey, how awesome was last week? Man, Jesus showed up in this place last week. We were excited about that, and we are expectant for him to continue to show up this week. And I hope that last week we were able to walk away with some more friendships. I hope we were a little vulnerable last week and kind of put ourselves out there for some more friendships. I hope that you make more friendships tonight. There's a lot of people that need friends, um, and there's a lot of people that need Jesus. And so I hope and I pray that Crossover impacts this campus for Christ. And that is our first and foremost goal as Crossoverans, crossoverites. I don't know what. I don't know. There's one time I said crossies, and everybody's like, "Nah, let's not do that one." I hope last week we were able to step out of um, our own self perspective and be able to take a look and say, "You know what, Lord? I today I want to make a stand on." putting myself last, putting others ahead of me, and ultimately, Lord, putting yourself first, Lord. And I I hope that we continue to do that each and every week. I hope we found uh, ways that we could serve people and love people and be able to ultimately share with them the gospel of Jesus like we learned the first week. But you know, I want to be able to kind of uh, change tunes and tell y'all I had a little discouraging thing happen to me. This is about a week or two ago. And um, I don't remember the specific day, but I do know this, is that I sat down to watch TV at the end of my day, and I just wanted to kind of unwind a little bit. It was kind of a a big day. I don't know if y'all know this, but I am a father of three not only three, but three boys, three and under. Um, so that's a lot of my time. But also, I don't know if you know this, but I help lead one of the biggest, funniest, most holy, most loving college ministries in all of Oklahoma. Amen. Best looking. Should I throw that out there too, right? But, you know, when I get home from work, it was, it was a long day. I remember I met up with a couple guys. I counseled a couple guys that were dealing with some big issues. And I remember it took kind of a toll on me, and I got home, and my boys, it doesn't matter what type of day I had, they're ready to play. So I have to put my daddy pants on, right, and I, we play King of the Mountain. Well, the King of the Mountain is Daddy's the Mountain, and I'm just going to crawl all over them, right? And they will literally wipe their snot, and they will fart on me. Like, it's just, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm Daddy, and they're just going to climb all over me. I was whipped this day. I mean, I was already whipped. I put them night-night. That's what we call it in our household. I sang them their little lullabies. I don't know how they go to sleep after I sing to them, but they do. So I sat down on this couch. I turned on the TV just to kind of unwind a little bit. And I don't know what channel it was on, but I know there's a bunch of 60-year-olds, something about housewives, and their faces looked like this, right? And they... 
literally were fighting about, like, you looked at my dog wrong. Like, I don't know what they were fighting about, but they sounded like a bunch of chihuahuas, like, yapping at each other. And it just didn't, it, it, like, had, it was nonsensical, right? Like, they were fighting over nothing, and it just got worse and got worse. And I was like, I can't, and I changed the channel. And I was like, let me just watch the news, all right? Turn it to the news, and it, it was, you know, covering, I don't remember, but it was something horrific. Maybe it was the hurricane. Maybe it was something that was going on. But then it switched it to some murder that happened in Oklahoma City. And it started talking about child abductions and all these things. And, man, I'm just like, gosh, this is chaotic. They just keep on focusing on all of this. And I was like, well, let's switch, switch a channel again. And it went to politics. There's always praise in politics, right? And they, they posed a good question to two politicians. I was like, okay, I, I want to hear this, right? It was rational for about 2.5 seconds where the one dude said something and offended this dude. And, man, they just went at each other for the next three minutes. And it just, I'm, I was like, fine, I give up. Like, I turned the TV off. And what do I do next? Well, maybe my social media account will make me feel better, right? <sighs> Flip on the old gram and I'm scrolling. It's just like haterade, like the whole time. And like I just throw my, I, th- I, le- I remember I throw my phone to the other side of the couch, and I felt more stressed out than when I did when I sat down. How did we get to this point? I'm sitting there. I was like, man, I'm in Norman, Oklahoma, in the Bible Belt of America. And I'm realizing something is that we are being raised in a generation that thrives off of disunity. Students, did you know that's exactly where the devil wants us to be? The devil wants us to feel defeated. He wants us to feel like we have no hope or no future. He wants us to feel like everything is falling apart. He wants us to feel like we have no voice in nothing. He doesn't want us to stand up for anything. He wants us to feel like we are pointless. And he wants more than anything in this world. He wants disunity in this world. He wants disunity in America, in your church, And he wants it most of all in your life. Crossover, I want us to break the mold tonight. Can we we do that? Can we break the mold of, of individuals in this world of darkness, doing this life by ourselves? And I want us to become an army for Christ. And I want us to realize the greatest way for us to grow individually is for us to grow in unity together. And I hope and I pray that you realize that God has you on whatever campus that he has you on for a purpose. And I want you to go with a direction to go and change this campus towards Christ. And the best way to do that is locking arms with one another and becoming unified. What we have learned from times past, from all those times in history class that we paid attention so well in, right? Not always the biggest armies won, but those who are most unified and those who have the best leader. I can guarantee you one thing is that we have the best leader, amen? But how do we as people, how do we as God's church, how do we as God's children learn the process of unity? So tonight on our last day of our series, to be honest, we need to be honest about unity. How do we 
How does unity work when there is so much division in this world and division amongst us? But before we start, I want, us to, I, I want to preface something. First, I want us to tell you what, you what unity is not. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. We don't all look the same. We don't all talk the same. We don't all grow up the same. And God did not expect that because God is not Hitler. Amen? What's great about our God is he wants to use your own gifts. He wants to use your own backgrounds. He wants to use your own cultures, your own talents. And what he wants and what unity is, is this. Unity is oneness and purpose. The children of God with different backgrounds and with different pasts working together in oneness of purpose. I believe, students, when we learn how to be unified, our lives will be transformed. Our lives will be will be prominent towards Christ. And when we walk in oneness with purpose, we will be doing life the way that God wants us to do it. So if you would, let's look in Ephesians chapter 4 to all those super holy people who bring their Bibles. And let's look at chapter 4. And today we're going to be looking at a word from Paul to the church of Ephesus. Um, What's amazing to think about during this time is that Paul is actually writing this to Uh, to the church of Ephesus while he's in prison. He is writing to the church who is now, they're in their infant stages, they are growing in their walk with God, and this is what's cool about the church, is that these are different people from different backgrounds, and they're learning how to unite together for their oneness and purpose, and he wants to kind of show them the heart and the attitudes that believers should have when they think about unity. So let's look at what Paul is saying here in chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, this is Paul, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, if I can just simplify, all right? If I can just simplify this, if I can, if I can just say, okay, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of meat to this text. I wish we had a couple hours where I could kind of build into what, what Paul is trying to say here and nitpick everything and, and really illuminate the text. I just don't have time for that, and I don't think y'all have the patience for it because you got to go study because that's important to you, right? But if I can sum it up in one sentence, it's verse 3. If you want to know the secret to this, to this little passage right here, it is verse 3. It's like a sandwich, right? The meat is right here in verse 3. We as Christians, he says, need to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So if we could just pick this apart for just a second. It says that we need to be eager. So if we can take this... And look at verse 3. He says we need to be eager. It's not a suggestion. It's not a bland statement, is it? This is Paul saying, hey, we as Christians, listen up, Christians. We need to be eager. We need to be eager to maintain the unity. He doesn't specify a certain group of Christians, does he? 
He doesn't single out only ministers. How many of us think only ministers are the ones that's supposed to be keeping the peace up in here? Oh, the pastor is supposed to be keeping the peace up in here. Oh, only the ministers are the ones that need to create the unity. He doesn't single out only ministers. He doesn't only say those on the left need to be unified. He doesn't say only those on the right need to be unified. He doesn't specify a skin color, does he? Only these people are supposed to be unified, or that people are supposed to be unified. He doesn't put an age on it, does he? Only the old people are supposed to find unity, or only the young people are supposed to find unity. No, he says all Christians, everybody who loves Jesus and who has made Jesus their Savior, all of us need to what? We need to be eager to maintain the unity with one another. Be eager. But he also, he doesn't put but onlys in there. You need to be eager, but only. How many of us like to put those but onlys in there? Be eager, but only if they treat you this way, right? Be eager only if they look this way. Only if they act this way or smell this way. Some of y'all, whew. Hey, why don't you just only find unity if they worship this way? Or they're only nice to people this way. But there's no but onlys in this text. He says it's for every believer we are to be eager to maintain unity, period. No excuses. Now think about that. Are we eager to maintain the unity of God's people? Now we know what eager is in our context. Some of y'all, y'all been working on that girl in your class for a couple weeks, amen? <laughs> hey, you ain't been going to class for, for notes, right? But you, you finally got the nerve and you asked that girl for her phone number, all right? Like a real man, face to face, not through Instagram, all right? Okay, hear that, hear that fellas. <laughs> Welcome to four to one odds, all right? You get that number and how eager are you to call her? And how eager are you for him to call you, right? The guy's like, how long? All right, is it the three-day rule? Is it, is it the one-day rule? And it's really like 13 minutes. And you're like, she's like, what in the world? Right? Don't lie. You're like, hey, girl. Right? I don't know I did that. But you're eager about it, right? So I think we're excited about it. I think that's one way you can look at it. But if you look at the actual Greek context, I'm so, I'm so smart, right? I got a commentary. You're welcome. But it means committed. We are to be committed to walking. And I like to put them together. I think we need to be eagerly committed to holding unity. Now, how do we do this? I love when Scripture interprets Scripture, and I love reading Paul because he likes to kind of make one point and then kind of build upon it for the rest of his text. And if you look at chapter 2, verse 12 through 14, we see what he's kind of building on at this point. Why should we be eager to maintain unity? He says this in verse 12. Remember that at one time, everybody say one time, you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, everybody say, but now, 
In Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So why? Why are we to, re, re, to, main, to be eager to maintain the unity with one another? It's because we are overwhelmed by the fact at one time we were separated from Jesus. At one time we had no relationship with Jesus. And we were damned to go to hell. And at one time Jesus reached down in the depths of hell and he saved us and he placed us in the heavenly chambers for all of eternity to walk with us, to grow with us, to love us and such a compassionate way that we do not deserve. And no matter what happens on this world, we don't care what anybody else does because we have a Savior that loved us and saved us. That's why we are eager to maintain the unity. Because no fight on this planet, no argument on this planet is greater than the gift of God's grace that Jesus showed us on that cross. You know, I don't know, this was probably a couple weeks, couple months ago. My son had a little date party with, an, with another three-year-old. Guy, all right, it's a, I, don't, I guess it's not a date party, it's a play date. There we go, sorry. Got to get the lingo right. But these two guys are the biggest dudes in their class. Like, Rev is three, four inches taller than anybody in this class, and this other guy, like, is with him. Anyways, I was wondering, when was this going to happen? The two biggest guys in the backyard, when's it going to happen that they're going to fight over that single toy, right? And so I'm sitting back there, the two moms are like chatty Cathy's, right? And I'm over there like watching them. And they finally get to this one old rickety truck and like they start doing tug of war. Now, I don't say anything to the moms. I kind of want to see. I was like, well, is Rev even tough? I have no idea, right? He's three years old. And man, those guys are going at it. And like there's tugging and pulling. And finally, I was like, all right, I guess I need to be a dad at this point, right? They start yelling and screaming. And I, all I did was I, I, I do this with my boys. I'm like, Shh. like it's just a little faint whistle. But those, those boys can hear it from a mile away. And he's like, pokes his head up and he looks at me. Now listen, I, I didn't reprimand him. I didn't punish him. I didn't yell at him. All I simply did was I grabbed this toy that my wife and I bought him when he was one years old learning how to walk. It's just this little thing that he pushes around. And I knew it was his favorite. And I picked it up and I just was like, you know, I just kind of pointed at it. He's like, oh yeah. And like he drops the toy that he was trying to play with and he runs and he grabs this toy and he goes and he runs around with it and the other guy's chasing him around. It's like happy, fun, go lucky. Like there's peace in the backyard amongst the giants, all right? But you know what, students? There's going to be times in our life that are going to be difficult where we're going to be arguing with one another we're going to be fighting about something with your brothers or your sisters in Christ. We could be fighting about politics and how you need to vote this way and why would you ever vote that way? Or you, you, I can't believe that you would even think about that. Or we might be talking about fighting about race and you need to think this way and why would you ever think that way? You need to think my way. Or we mightn't be fighting about respect. Well, you should treat me this way or treat others that way. 
And during those times, if you have the Savior of Jesus Christ in your life, and you have His Holy Spirit that likes to be that voice, right? It, you know, I just think about Elijah being on the mountains and the earthquakes and the fires and the winds are happening. And God doesn't yell at him. What he does is he whispers at him, right? And I guarantee that at this point, it's happened to me so many times, is you have a decision to make because you got that little Holy Spirit knocking in the back of your head is do I need to get my way and point out everyone to my problems, or do I need to let go and point everybody to, to Jesus' promises? Do I need to get my way and point to everyone to my problems, or do, you know what, do I need to let go and do I need to point everybody to people's promises? That's a lot of P's in there. You know, when we are eager the way that he wants us to be eager, is when Jesus' promises are exposed more than our problems because then you will have his peace, you will have the gentleness, you will have the patience, you will treat others with respect. You care more about pointing people to Jesus than anything else that you want to argue about. You want them to find Jesus. And when this happens, you are opening an open hand. You're not offering them a closed fist. How are we eager, students? I think a good way that Paul was trying to point people is I loved how he said in verse 1 that we are to walk in the manner worthy of your calling. See, the, the, the calling that we have is given to us by the free gift that Jesus gave us. And that was kind of a hard question to me. Are you walking in the manner worthy? Are you worthy of this calling. And I started thinking about that. It's like, do I pride myself in the calling that God gave me? You know, it tells me something is that we as Christians are called to have a higher way of life than the rest of the world. And the only way I could think about this, because I'm a car guy, is if someone gave you a Lamborghini today, would you go park it in the garage and not show any, anybody about it? Right? Anybody? Like if someone gave you a brand new Lamborghini today, everybody up in here would be pimping that ride, right? You'd be going across. Can't, oh, you need to go somewhere? Let's go, let's go hop in the Guinea, right? Let's go. I don't care if it's 23 and snowing outside. Let's go hop in the Guinea, right? Like, you know, FaceTiming everybody, taking pictures with it, like washing it outside. It doesn't need to be washed, right? You'd be telling everybody about this free gift. Oh, man, I got the guinea, right? But what else would happen? People would know you for what? Your Lamborghini. That free gift. How many of us have a free gift from Jesus and we park it in the garage? We never allow anyone to see it. You want to know when you are walking in the manner worthy of your calling is when you're eager. You're excited to maintain the unity. When you're able to show people, I'm different and I have Jesus and I have a Savior that saved me and he can save you and I want you to know him. When no matter the situation that happens in this world, you are there to show the gift that God has given you. When you show people Jesus' promises that they could have in their life and not just your problems that you want them to know about. 
See, the higher way of life is that you have this giant peace around you. When people are around you, they know that you are different because you have this peace that surpasses all understanding. Not many things phase you because this life isn't about how people treat you, but your life is meant to how you're supposed to show the love of Jesus to everybody else. It's not a selfish love. You're not trying to gain respect and everything from everybody else, but you're trying to be a servant. You're trying to show them your selfless love towards them. That's the higher way of life. Your actions have a destination, and that's leading people to Jesus. Do your actions have a destination that lead people to Jesus? Now, some of y'all are like, well, does this mean like, like do Christians supposed to roll over, right? Students, let me tell you something. If there was ever a time for us to stand up and speak out, it's right now. If there was ever a time for us Christians to stand up and speak out, it is now. Because this is what I think happens is like, well, this is our mind process is you are supposed to pour into things that Jesus would have poured into. And that takes two things. You need to know the word of God because you won't know the will of God without knowing the word of God. All right. And also you need to be in tune with God. You need to learn how to pray with God because well, listen, when you start praying with God, the more you learn, it's less about you talking and you listening. If someone is trying to show and shove disunity down people's throats, I think we are in much need of showing them Jesus and saying, listen, I don't agree with that. This is what the Bible says. If you can, if you can answer all your question with, this is what the Bible says, you're doing a pretty good job, right? But what are, I, I wish I could talk about the four issues I think are, are really just detrimental to us right now, but I think we can talk about one. I think racism is something that is, is disunifying this world. I think it's disunifying our nation, and I think it's disunifying our church. And I wish I could go into detail, and I'm not an expert. It's something that I have prayed about. It's something I've asked a lot of my brothers and sisters about. I wanted to get to know their heartbeat on it. And I wanted to just kind of tap lightly on this from a thousand-foot approach. And my first thing is, like, well, how would Jesus handle it? First off, I think we need to know that racism didn't start 400 years, 400 years ago. It started thousands of years ago between the Jews and the Gentiles. And if we look at how Jesus handled it, well, how did Jesus handle it? Jesus died for it. Jesus died for racism because he didn't want the Jews to think, well, his love was only good for the Jews. No, he wanted the, the Gentiles to know, you know what? I died for you too. Guess what? We're the Gentiles. All right. We were born natures of wrath. We were born separated from God and Jesus died for that. That's a level playing field from all of us. None of us are better than anybody else in this room. One day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We're all going to be on our knees before Jesus. Not one's going to be standing up. But what could I say? I would say two things. 
First and foremost, we are a child of the King, and we have a responsibility as the church to love everybody with, with the eyes and the hearts and the feet and the hands of Jesus. Every single person who walks in the doors of the church or any person that you come into contact with in in the food market or at Chick-fil-A or in your classrooms, you are supposed to be showing them the love and the light of Jesus no matter who they are. We are to be a light in the hard places and talk to every single person. And, and you know what? Jesus didn't always go to the easiest places to help people. If you see him, he goes to the harder places that people don't necessarily want to go to. And he loved them. And he cared for them. And we need to go to the places that people don't necessarily go to. Where could we go to right now that would put you mostly out of your comfort zone? Probably the locker room. There's a lot of football players right now that need Jesus, and they need love, and they need you. It's also to the international studies hallway down, down the street. There's a lot of international students that need Jesus, that need love, that need you. There are some harder places that's going to take you out of your comfort zone to show Jesus and to show unity. The second is this. For those of us who deal with racism, God be with you. Because unity in your, your world is so much different than unity in our world. A lot of us in this room, we don't have to necessarily deal with racism like some of us in this room do. And if you face racism, I want to pray over you. I want to give you courage. I want to offer anything that you need from me. I want, I want you to know that we're a family, and I want you to know that we want to strengthen you, and I want you to know that we are praying for you. And this is what I want to encourage you, because I am a minister of the gospel, and I am a child of the king. I want you to know that we're praying for you, but I also want you to know this, is I want you to, to show that moron who is being a racist to you, why don't you show them Jesus' prom, promises rather than his well-deserved problems? Because let me tell you what happens when that, when, when that happens. You're putting Jesus on the throne and you're putting that fool at the feet of Jesus. Because you're showing him that no matter what is happening in this world, my God is bigger than you. And that's encouraging. Unity to all of us needs to be showing people Jesus' promises rather than our problems. And I know for some of us, that might be harder in certain circumstances. What else do we see here in verse 3? We should be eager, but we should also maintain. Maintain means to what in this context? To protect or preserve the unity of the Spirit. What that means is we as human beings, we are not to create anything. That means that God has invited us to preserve something that he has already created. We don't, we don't create the unity. God has already created it. Created it. 
See, unity is not controlled by us. It's controlled by something else. It's called the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? That means this, students, is that if you're not walking in that spiritual realm, if you're not walking in tune with the Spirit, you're going to have problems preserving any types of unity. You're going to have problems because your point of reference will not be the Spirit of God, but it will be human. And what we mean by that, it's going to be the flesh. And see, the battles that happen in us or between us really are a battle between the flesh and the spirit. Galatians 5 says, walk in the spirit, not in flesh. So if you're going, if you have an ongoing conflict either inside of you or with someone else, it's because there has been the removal of something. You have removed the spirit of God in you. You have not allowed the spirit of God to override the spirit of flesh, and you're allowing that conflict to happen in that equation. Now, let me be a little humble with you. Your minister is not a perfect person. I know that's hard to believe, all right? I know that's a little hard to believe. But at one time, I used to have a party mouth. Anybody with me? Can I get an amen, right? You're all a bunch of liars, all right? There's one point in my life where I wasn't too worried about the straight and narrow. I was more worried about staying in between the the ditches, all right? There's a lot of leeway in between those two things. But when I was in college, I liked to play this little game called Halo, if that ages me at all. All right, to all you gamers out there. But if you wanted to see how spiritually deep I was, just go step in my dorm room and see how bad my mouth was. And my four friends, when we'd be playing, I can't tell you how many smash remotes we had. We went through a couple TVs. Like, I mean, it was bad. Like, it was, it's embarrassing to even talk about. But we had a friend down the hallway named Brett, and we loved him to death. But the problem was, when he would come in, he had such a faith and such a love for people, like, it was embarrassing. Like we couldn't be ourselves, right? Like we couldn't be who we really wanted to be because we were afraid of like shaming Brett. And it was just awkward. And like, it got to the point where like, I mean, he was Mr. Nice Guy always inviting us to church. And then we were like, well, Brett, like, okay. Like we'd avoid him. All right. Let's just be honest. We didn't want him around us, not because he did anything wrong, but because his faithfulness exposed our weaknesses. How many of us in this room, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to enter in our lives and to to walk with us in our daily lives, not because we don't like the Holy Spirit. It's because we know that the Holy Spirit's going to point out where we lack and where we need more of Jesus. And we would rather do us than do anything for him. Because when you walk with him and talk with him and do life with him, it will expose where you want to be you and where you need him to be him in your life. See, the only way for us to have unity and to, and to protect and preserve this unity is when you allow the Spirit to be there. Only the Holy Spirit brings unity in our lives, and many of us don't have unity in our life because we don't allow the Spirit to be the Spirit in our lives. See, Ephesians says to preserve the unity of the Spirit is that if you are living in a war zone, if you're living in constant conflict, maybe you're living in conflict with others, maybe you're living in conflict with yourself where you don't even like you. Have you ever gotten to the point where you don't even like you? 
That means some part of that situation you have hidden from the Spirit of God and you have chosen not to walk with Him. Because according to the text here, it says where the Spirit is, there is unity. Where there isn't the Spirit, there is no unity. You want to know how conflict happens? It happens because I, what I've seen thousands of times is we start to pick and choose what we want to listen to from the Bible and take away from the Bible. I might want to love the Lord, but I won't let him take the vengeance on my enemy. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather spit my poison to everybody right now. You know, I might not let others judge me, but I'm going to judge them. Students, conflicts happens between ourselves when we know God's view on the matter and we choose to do our view on the matter. It's trying to mix oil with water. It just will never work. There will always be conflict. The only way to protect that unity of the Spirit is to let the Spirit work in your life and you do what He says and you read His Word and you let Him illuminate the text and let you walk in the Spirit. Last thing is this, what it says here, is we need to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The bond of peace here in the Greek context, it means the belt. It's the thing that holds everything together, the bond of peace. For time's sake, I just want to talk about the bond of peace in one format. Simply this, where there is no peace, there is no unity. If you do not have a bond of peace, you will have no unity. If you are Honest with ourselves, many of us wake up every single day in a constant war zone. We get in conflicts with our friends, we get in conflicts with our coworkers, with our parents. But I think many of us even get in constant war zones with ourselves. I think some of our worst critics are ourselves, constantly battling things within us, and you always disappoint yourself. John 4 states it this way. This is why there are battles between you, because there are battles within you. John Maxwell says it this way, hurting people hurt people. Students, maybe your conflict with people is caused by the conflict that you have in yourself. I think there's two types of people in this world that we need to focus on. Maybe some of us, we, have, we don't have the bond of peace, the belt of peace around us, because we don't have peace with God. I know without a shadow of doubt, the old church statistics say 30% of the room don't know Jesus. Well, let's say, for instance, there's 30% of us in here that don't know Jesus. 30% of us know that, need to know that Jesus wants to have a relationship with you, and he wants to love you, and he wants to encourage you, and he wants to sustain you, and he wants to have an eternity relationship with you. And some of us just need to break down all the walls and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm tired of waking up feeling lonely. I'm, I'm tired of walking in this world with no purpose. Lord, I'm tired of feeling depressed all, every single day, all day. Lord, I'm tired of being lonely and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to let you be God in my life and I want you to save me. I know you came and died for me and I want to walk with you and walk with you forever. I'm going to trust you. I think some of us have that battle within ourselves, but I think some of us don't have the belt of peace because we don't have peace with people and we don't trust people. And my prayer is, students, my prayer is this, is that you learn this quicker than I ever did. The quicker you learn how to trust and love people, not just anyone, but obviously those who are loving Jesus, the quicker you're going to see how awesome people are. When you say, God, you know what? 
I'm going to trust you to be God, and I'm going to be vulnerable with people, and I'm going to love people, and I'm going to encourage people, you know what, and I'm going to let them love me. I'm going to let them encourage me. I'm telling you, when, that's when you start seeing these brotherhoods and sisterhoods starting to come and overwhelm you. See, the Bible illustrates that the greatest unity, one of the ways that the greatest unity is in the text when he says, when your friends become better and stronger than your own brothers and sisters. See, the only way for you to have peace with people is when you have peace with God, to be God, and he's going to take care of you. So students, as we wrap up here, where are you at in this world when it comes to unity? I don't know where you're at, but I do know this, is that we need to be eager to maintain the unity. Not because... They deserve it, but because Jesus died on the cross for it. And since he did that, no matter what anybody does to you, you want to show them God's promises and not your problems about them. But then we need to maintain our unity. We have to build our walk with the Holy Spirit. Don't push him aside. Don't ignore him. Don't try to run from him. But let him come into your life and let him illuminate your life and let him show you where you need to be less of yourself and you need to be more like him. We are called to, to a higher calling and our actions should point to people to Jesus, not point people away from Jesus. My question is, does your actions point people towards Jesus or do they point people away from Jesus? And lastly, we need to have that bond of peace. Some of us don't have peace within ourselves because we don't have that relationship with God. And I beg you tonight to make that relationship with God. And some of us tonight, we need to really get in tune with the Spirit, walk with the Spirit, and let Him guide us in finding unity with one another. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you for you and we thank you for a great word. Unity is a hard subject, and obviously we hit this from 10,000 miles high. But at the end of the day, unity brings clarity to people that need Jesus. And when we are not on a united front, then the church of God is not representing Jesus. We're not representing Jesus, and ultimately people aren't experiencing Jesus. Lord, let us tonight... Let us make a confession that I today, I want to be able to walk with eagerness with you, Lord. I want us to be able to be eager and excited to share, share with people the love of Jesus. No matter what someone does to me, I want to be expressive and showing my love for you. Lord, some of us tonight, and this is my, this is my, my major prayer, is that we take the act of courage and we step out of our rows and we say, you know what, Lord, I'm tired of doing my, my life my way. And you know what, this, this type of life sounds good. It, it takes the focus off of me and it puts the focus on you. And Lord, I hope that takes that courage and they come talk to one of our prayer team down front or in the back or up in the balcony. I hope they say, you know, what? I don't know everything, but I do know this is I want Jesus. Can you help me find him? And let them be able to walk with Lord, let's be able to change this campus for your glory, for your honor. Lord, be with us. If you would stand up, please, and let's praise Jesus.